What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. What's up, everybody? We are back for another episode of In Liberty and Health. I got Reed Coverdale here, and uh, he's going to have all the answers for how we bring the uh, <laughs> liberty movement together, because right now it looks like we're struggling a little bit, man. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'll have answers, but they won't necessarily be correct. So, you know, just take it all with a grain of salt. <laughs> <laughs> we got post and toast libertarians and and comms and caps uh it's it's fucked up man people in the gop everyone's at each other's throats now especially like this last day uh people were tearing into pete quinones because he says you shouldn't be posting memes you should be doing something or at least that's how i interpreted it um you know what's your uh, take on some of the recent shit going on in the liberty movement well i'm friends with pete i, I like him i don't agree with him on everything but uh i'll just say he's a lot nicer in person than he is on twitter like i think that twitter gives us a false view of what the world is and what people are um even worse than like facebook or you know places where you can actually write out your entire thought because when you're restricted to 240 characters it's it's just enough letters to write out a really good insult to hurl at somebody um so i you know i think if we did not have twitter which i don't right now anymore but like if all of us didn't have twitter that would probably give us healthier images of each other because these fights rarely seem to start on facebook or you know any of those places where you can write longer more thought out uh you know paragraphs and it, it seems to all it seems to all start on twitter but uh, that aside, um, I've had Andrew from Popular Liberty on recently. Um, he also did that video on Pete's show with Dave. I think that was his probably his worst appearance he's ever had, which really sucks because it was with Dave. You know, I think he was nervous and I, I, don't, I don't think it went that well. So I'm actually going to have him back on next Friday. And I definitely disagree with Andrew on some stuff. So we're going to kind of hash that out. This last time I had him on, it was just to um, kind of present his worldview and what he thought was wrong with libertarians or libertarianism or the libertarian party or whatever. Um, I think with the post-libertarians, um, the things that they say that really are true um, are that, you know, you need to help yourself before you try to save the world. I think that's very true. And there are a lot of unimpressive libertarians in the Libertarian Party who, you know, don't have jobs, live in their parents' basements, do drugs and, you know, drink all day and, you know, don't amount to anything, but they want to usher in Ancapistan. It's like, well, you know, maybe first you should get out of debt. Maybe you should have a skill. Maybe 
you know, you should help your neighbor before you're worried about what's going on all around the world. Um, the other thing that I think they're right about is that, uh, and actually they weren't the first ones that taught me this. Larry Sharp was the first guy who really opened my eyes to this is that you have to entice people into liberty. You're not usually going to argue them into it. I mean, you can, sometimes I've argued people into it, but for the most part, you've got to sell it to them. And that usually isn't through complete abolition of something. Usually it's incremental. Like you have to prove to them that there is a problem and then you got to show them that you have a solution. And if your solution is, oh, the free market will just fix everything, then you've instantly lost most people, even like right-leaning people aren't going to listen to you. So you have to have a plan from how you, you know, for how you get from here to there. And I think that's where the saying stop living in and Kapistan in your head comes from. The problem is now that's been used to basically justify whatever you want to do with the state, like stop, you know, so I mean that I think that has become, um, you know, from other people using it just as dumb a statement as the taxation is theft or whatever. It's just like, oh, wow, like <laughs> so revolutionary, you know. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, those are good points. But then where I definitely disagree with them is that the right is somehow more low time preference than the left. I mean, maybe right now they are, but it's really just because they're not in power. I know you said you wanted to talk about this a bit, but, um, you know, I remember 20 years ago, or I guess more than that, I don't know, no, 20 years ago, 20 years ago now when the right was, you know, ridiculous. They wanted all the power they could get. They were centralizing it as much as they could. And then they basically they handed all that power to the left and they seemed confused as to how that happened. It's like, you guys, you guys started this. You did this in the first place because you wanted to defeat Islamic extremism and you hated the satanic panic and uh, you wanted to like, you know, cancel everybody that disagreed with you and be as authoritarian as hell. And then it got turned around on you. And to me, um, you know, some of the post-libertarians, what they're talking about doing seems kind of like what the right did 20 years ago, which in my opinion is where they went wrong in the first place. So I don't know, like, I, I don't really, um, I don't hate anyone who's over there, but I also don't really agree with a lot of what they're doing. But um, I think a lot of the drama is just social media bullshit that, you know, if you had a face-to-face -face conversation, a lot of it probably wouldn't be happening. Yeah, well, you know, it's kind of fucked up because I messaged Pete on Twitter and he's going to be coming on here within the next couple of weeks, hopefully, um, kind of whenever his schedule clears up. But uh, someone who I like in the Liberty Movement was kind of getting on him because he essentially said, like, dude, you're still posting memes. Like, come on. And... Mm -hmm. I defended Pete. I'm like, look, I think all he's saying is just, look, it's it's time to like actually do something. You know, if you're still sitting here having Facebook arguments and Twitter arguments all day, every day, but you're not doing anything in the face of actual totalitarianism, then, um, you know, it, it's you, what good are you? And I think that's where the post-libertarians are right. And it seems like you kind of agree is that like, hey, we could sit here and scream and go read about the state all day, every day. But what does it actually do in the long term? So um, and now there's people that are just fucking hopping all over, you know, people who are 
going the other way. Um, I don't agree with the GOP guys because you look at how they treated you know Massey and Rand over the last year. They said Massey should be thrown out of the GOP when he's one of the best guys in there. You know, these guys are a fucking joke when you know they look at liberty-minded people in the GOP as a fucking joke. And that's why I can't get on board with the takeover the GOP kind of deal because I just don't think it's feasible. And people could say the Libertarian Party isn't feasible, which, okay, that's fine. But at least we don't know what could happen with the LP. We see what happens with the GOP, you know? Yeah, um, a couple things there. One, um, I I do agree that, uh, you know, the post-Libertarians are right that I think political action should come after personal action you know like i mean especially if some people who are in the liberty movement are like still in active duty military or still you know living off food stamps or still dependent on the state in some way and you know supplying it in some way or whatever and it's like all right i mean it's a little bit weird if you have a show or if you're a huge advocate for destroying the mm-hmm. state, but you yourself use it as a crutch, you know, that's just kind of weird. So, yeah, um, I think that, uh, yeah, you know, some people are like trying to actively work their way out of that because they find out, oh shit, this is bad. And I'm mm-hmm. going to, you know, wean myself off of this and get to a better place. That's, that's, that's great. But if you're someone who is not doing any of those things and you're still like screaming about Yemen and screaming about the federal reserve. Like, I don't know why anyone should really listen to you. So yeah, I mean, it it is like stop dealing in the hypothetical and actually get off your ass and, you know, get moving. Um, But yeah, with the GOP, the argument becomes like uh, national versus local. Um, Like I, I think it really depends on where you live. You know, if you live in Utah, like I do, I think the GOP is an absolute waste. It's like a theocratic, like authoritarian (laughs) uh, institution, (laughs) you know, I mean, and it's not like that everywhere. I mean, if you live in Massachusetts, I don't know, like maybe the GOP is better there. I don't really know much about the Massachusetts GOP. If you live in New Hampshire, I know the GOP is way better in New Hampshire than it is in Utah. So I think it like, you got to decide what's your, what's your angle? What's your goal? What type of people are you working with? Um, In really, really conservative, like Bible belt States, maybe the GOP is not the best way, but maybe it is. And then like in some blue States, maybe the GOP is better, but then also the libertarian party could be better because then you could actually also, have more crossover because you know some people will just literally never vote republican Mm -hmm. they might vote for a libertarian if you have enough issues that they care about so i think it's really kind of um you know it's the division of labor thing like trying to uh you know trying to have an authority on what is going to work best in every district of every state of every you know of this entire country I just don't think that's very libertarian. I don't think it's very mm-hmm. capitalist and it's sure as hell super centralized to think that way. So right. I don't know. Like, I just think, you know, do what's best in your area and, you know, go with that. I mean, I've supported a Democrat for president in 2020. So, you know, like, it, it, you know, I think you just got to deal with whatever the best thing you have at hand is. Yeah. Well, that's why I actually really admire you. And another reason why I want you have on the show or wanted to have you on the show, I'm sorry. Um, 
is because you're so willing to talk to just about anybody and you're willing to cross party lines where you hear a lot of people that just won't, you know, um, I work with all fucking boomer cons. I've worked in dealerships for 10 years as an auto mechanic. And dude, these guys are the most hardcore Trump supporters ever. And there's nothing wrong with that. But like, you know, I used to bring up the bump stock ban, how he increased spending, how he was a war skeptic. And then he became, you know, a pro-war guy as president. And they'll dust it off. Oh, well, he was throwing a bone to the leftists. You know, everybody was pissed off after the shooting. So he had to ban bump stocks. It's like principle goes out the window with these people. So, but, you know, like you said, maybe in a blue state, if you're a libertarian, then maybe the, you know, your local boomer cons or local GOP might be a little bit more open to your message. But, um, you know, it's definitely kind of case by case scenario where we can't just assume that, you know, us bringing the message of Ancapistan to everybody is going to appeal to everybody because for some people it may not. I'm sure that was your experience working with uh, Tulsi on her campaign. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think she has a skill that a lot of libertarians could learn from which is talking to anybody and trying to connect with everybody libertarians really like to isolate themselves mm -hmm. and push people away like you're considered a sellout if you're talking to a certain group and it like the the fakertarians will hate you if you talk to right-wingers uh some of the hoppians will hate you if you're trying to connect with left-wingers I really don't give a fuck. Like, I am I allowed to swear on here, by the way? I'm assuming I am. But, <laughs> yeah, you're good. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't care at all. Um, like, if, if I disagree with you on everything except one issue, if we can agree on that one issue, that's great. And then maybe I can change your mind on something else, too. Um, when I was on Tulsi's campaign, I remember uh, the, it was the second day I met her. Uh, so, so I met her at, like, this little um like this little meet and greet thing the day before and i was really impressed with her so i decided you know i'll go to the i'll go to the capitol tomorrow the capitol in new hampshire uh for the convention so all the democrat candidates were there joe biden pete Buttigieg, you know everybody or whatever and so they just needed people to stand outside with signs so i had a shirt that i bought and i stood outside with a sign so I'm looking around, there's the Warren people, the Bernie people, the Buttigieg people, the Yang people. And then across the street, there's this guy with a tow truck with Trump signs all over it. You know, Israel flags, American oh, flags, you know, like build the wall. So I went over and talked to him. I just walked across the street because he wasn't allowed on the property of the where the event was taking place, but he could set up across the street. So I went over and I started talking to him and shook his hand and you know i told him that i had been a republican before and we talked about all the stuff we agreed on like guns and spending and you know the stuff you theoretically agree on at least um, <laughs> yeah. and then we started getting into where we disagreed and you know why i didn't like trump and why i thought tulsi was better um and then another tulsi person came over and started talking with his wife and we had a really productive conversation. And by the end of it, he actually asked me, could I see that brochure? Like, I want to find out more about her. Um, and there were like, I remember there was a Warren person that went by me and she looked and saw that I had a Tulsi shirt and that I was talking to a Trump supporter, you know, and she just gave me this dirty look and kept walking. And I was like, yeah, yeah, fuck you, whatever. <laughs> like, I just, uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, 
it's not a strictly libertarian problem, obviously, right. given my story, but it is, um, it is a, it is something that we're very bad at. We're very sectarian. We're very judgmental. And we forget that a lot of us were, or all of us were lost before we got here. Like I was a boomer con, even though I was a kid, you know, I was a, I was, I was a total neocon. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I thought we weren't bombing the middle East enough. Uh, I was like super back the blue, all that. They shit. hate us for our freedom. Yeah, that was me in high school. Mm-hmm. Like that was terrible. <laughs> so I, I had to get there somehow. And if people just scream at you, calling you a bootlicking, statist, child murdering, you know, right winger or whatever, like they're not gonna listen to you. Or, or you know, a, a stupid communist, antifa leftist douchebag or whatever. Like you have lost your window of opportunity to convince them that you're right or even emotionally connect with them if you're not going to argue them into the right place like sometimes if you're just a nice person and you have an open conversation that could do more than your argument did you know just because people don't think logically anymore so if a lot of the time your attitude that you have toward people is all the difference in the world yeah and i think that's the experience of a lot of people if you actually sit down and talk to people you can convince them relatively easily of a lot of the things they may even agree with you on a lot of stuff um you know at the last place i worked um one of my best friends was um my parts guy and he was a huge leftist i'm pretty sure he voted for joe biden he never said he did but you know we would talk about a lot of stuff that we agreed on anti-war um anti-prison industrial complex and we could have a great conversation about that my one buddy is a uh and calm and we went out to breakfast once and had like a three-hour conversation and we disagreed on stuff but it's not like i think he's a terrible person or you know wants to be dead just because we disagree on some stuff you know we both have our own idea of what a better society looks like the means we go about it may be completely different and the ends may be a little bit different but really a lot of these people you know the others the democrats the republicans or even other libertarians they're not bad people but just nobody wants to talk to them there was somebody in a uh, mises caucus um thing and obviously this isn't uh, you know representative of all mises caucus people but they said oh all leftists are bad people all leftists are dumb i'm like dude you will never convince anybody anything if that's going to be your mentality if you think every single leftist is dumb an idiot a bad person you know what's your goal then do you think we're just going to magically establish ancapistan with just the people we got no dude like have some empathy understand where these people are coming from talk to them and if they're not convinced then okay but that doesn't mean they're a bad person or they're dumb they just think differently yeah i mean I love Abby Martin a lot more than a lot of libertarians I know. I mean, you're not, I don't think she's a bad person. We definitely disagree on a lot of things, but I mean, she is very motivated to take out, you know, some of the biggest evils in the world that we know of. Uh, So just writing somebody off like that as evil is really, Mm -hmm. really short-sighted and stupid. Absolutely. And then even if it's not somebody who has thought, her way through things like Abby has if it's just some if it's just your next door neighbor or your teacher or something a lot of those people have never even really thought their way through you know their philosophy and how they got there so if you actually have a conversation with them the the best way to deconstruct somebody's worldview that they haven't thought through is just to make them explain it because if they have to explain it, then they have to think about it. And then they realize, oh, shit, like, I really haven't 
actually started from square one and built this up as I go. Like I sort of started with my destination and then just connected the dots and some of those dots don't connect. And this really doesn't make sense. Um, I mean, I've got an uncle who's like a COVID fanatic, you know, like he's freaked out about it and he wants to confiscate guns and, you know, all this stuff, but he's one of the people in the world I respect the most. Like he lived in Somalia for four years when he was my age and he helped out at a refugee camp and, you know, he's done nothing but serve people his entire life. So I think his politics are out the window, but it doesn't make him an evil person. The people who are evil are the ones who are actually, you know, running the show, like Dan Crenshaw, Nancy mm -hmm. Pelosi, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, like those people are evil. They belong in us in the supermax, you know, like, but <laughs> your neighbor probably doesn't know why he or she thinks the way mm -hmm. they do. And even if they do, like, they're not necessarily evil people. Um, I think there's a lot more ignorance than evil in this country. And mm -hmm. ignorance certainly can be an accessory to evil. So, you know, there is that issue you've got to deal with. But like, I, I don't think we're at the point where you start writing everybody off and just defending yourself. Like, I think it's we're still at the point where you can try to change people's minds. And I don't think anyone's really off the table. People say we should be only focusing on the right at the moment or only focusing on the red pill progressives or whatever. It's like, you know, I was a neocon. Um, you know, I know people who were socialists. I know people who were conservatives who've all become libertarians. So I think you should stay in your lane and, you know, communicate with whom you are good at communicating and continue to do that. And maybe like if other people are good at communicating with someone else, that's okay. And you shouldn't, you know, accuse them of fraternizing with the enemy. <laughs> so yeah, I'm all about whoever you connect with, whoever you can reach, reach them because, you know, there, there's no, uh, I don't really think anyone is unsavable. Uh, some people are irredeemable who have mm -hmm. like already been in the political system and they've already done so much bad stuff, but I don't think anyone in the public is really completely unreachable or unsavable. So whoever you can connect with, just keep doing your thing. Right. I think that's completely reasonable. And I agree wholeheartedly. And you do see that a lot, even in the libertarian sphere, where, you know, we got to be in the game of converting people and waking people up, or at least trying to talk to people. So the idea that you would just shut out any potential people just because they have slightly different views on you or you from you than, you know, the, the guys that agree with you, it's, it's just so ridiculous. You know, I can't, I can't imagine somebody who really wants to spread liberty thinking it's a good idea to just shut people out blanketly just because they don't agree with you on everything right off the bat. You know, and like you said, a lot of people don't think through these things. They watch the news, they go to work, they have other passions. Um, and this is kind of where I run in with uh, Trump supporters. They just listen to uh, Trump say, oh, we got the greatest economy ever. Well, if you dig a little bit beneath the surface, um, you'll find out that a lot of it's just bullshit. And if you look at all the trends, if you look at 2008 to 2016, you'll just see it's because we had a huge recession and then, you know, an expansion, a recovery from then. And then all the trends were already headed that way. So Trump just claimed credit for it. And then as soon as COVID came around, the dude fell apart. But, you know, 
they just listen to him and they say, oh, well, that's my guy. He says the economy's good, must be good. And the Democrats are going to do the same thing for Joe Biden. Joe Biden says inflation's great. And if we pass this infrastructure bill of $3.5 trillion, it's going to rein in inflation. All of them are going to soak it up for him and just say, oh, yeah, well, he's right. It, 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 that's, that's just how it's going to work. But, you know, people just aren't going to spend the time like you and I would who listen to Peter Schiff. I know you had him on your show, but, uh, you know, dive in on the economics. That's just not entertaining to some people. For me, it fascinates the fuck out of me. But for most people, you know, they don't care about, you know, the fact that the economy is a bubble or things like that. Yeah, people get upset that I talk about religion as much as I do. But the reason I do is because all of this is religious. And like, I mean, it, people can believe whatever they want, but if your style of belief is religious, and by religious, I mean like unquestioning, unwavering, unwilling to hear other ideas and just like, you know, push everything out of your vision that's going to question what you've been taught. <clears throat> I think that's how we end up where we are now. Like liberalism and conservatism are religions i mean like yeah. if you start questioning why do we support israel you're a heretic if you start questioning you know when life begins from either direction whether you're trying you're, to take women's rights away yeah yeah or if it's the other way like if you don't think you know a, a morning after pill is murder then you're also like a sellout <laughs> you know like i mean it's just like <laughs> trying to logically process why you believe something is heresy in the american public now like in the american society that we've garnered it is heresy to question certain things like <clears throat> excuse me um there are certain elections you are supposed to question and there are other <laughs> ones you're not allowed to and then uh you know there are certain people that you're supposed to think are great in certain countries that you are supposed to think have our back all the time and then other ones like if you think if you sympathize with them you're a terrorist and you hate america or whatever and like all of this just falls apart if you start actually looking at data mm -hmm. and you start actually listening to people who have different opinions than you do yeah. uh, who have actually researched and know what they're talking about and that's what they don't want you to do and that's why people don't like to talk about this type of stuff because it's not that um you know it's not that they don't want to waste their time with you or something it's that they're afraid that you might say something that makes a little too much sense and makes them start questioning their own beliefs and then starts chipping away at the foundation of whatever whatever they've set up so like i mean if someone ends up being a communist okay fine but at least get there through honest questioning and research and observation and be willing to talk to a capitalist about it. And I'd say this to capitalists too. Like if you're not willing to talk to commies, you're not, you're probably not a very good capitalist because mm -hmm. if you're afraid that a communist is going to say something that will convince you you're wrong, then maybe you haven't thought through it enough. And maybe you do need to talk to them and have more conversations and think this through more. And it, this goes for anything that you believe. Like uh, the more that you talk to your opposition, the stronger a believer in whatever it is you believe it'll make you and it'll also give you an idea of where other people are coming from and humanize them and make you realize oh people who don't think this aren't necessarily horrible awful evil douchebags they're just somebody who has had a different life experience than me and wound up somewhere else and i think that the elite 
are terrified of us talking to each other and having conversations like that and realizing that we are all so similar because they want us to think that each other are the enemy instead of them. Because if we realize they're the enemy, then they lose and the whole charade falls apart. Absolutely. Um, one thing I've kind of tirated on libertarians on, and I can already hear the re in the comments and from other people, but um, there's this fixation when people say, oh, all police are bad people because they enforce bad rules. It's like, okay, well, if you want to say that, I get it. I agree that they're enforcing bad rules, but it's the same deal with the military. Let's break it down this way, you know? Um, these people were taught from the time they were kids that, you know, the people over the Middle East hate you for your freedoms and that, you know, police are protecting and serving and that if you want to go become a cop that you're to protect and serve the people and that if you go in the military, you're fighting off terrorism. We're taught this from a very, very young age. And it's kind of like we were saying earlier, you know, if you just shut those people out, say, oh, they're all bad people. Well, you know, it's kind of our job as libertarians to kind of say, hey, this is wrong and teach these people, you know, don't make them feel like toddlers or like embarrassed little children. But, you know, tell them like, hey, do you ever like stop and think this guy's just smoking a joint? Is it really should he be thrown in a cage for it? I don't think so. No. And obviously, there are gonna be some people that are unreachable. But I bet a large amount of people, especially now, um, We'll probably agree like hey you know maybe some of these rules are bad and we need to kind of talk about ways to fix this yeah so this is a this is a this is a tough one um my sister is in the military um and she knows exactly how i feel about it and um several years ago before she joined i took her out to lunch and i laid it right out to her i said look you think you're going to be a soldier landing on Normandy and punching a Nazi in the face. That's not what you're going to be doing. You're going to be blowing up a neighborhood to enrich Raytheon or Northrop Grumman or something. <laughs> you know, that's really what you're going to be doing. Um, so I don't, I, I did a video about the police several months ago. It was just a live stream from my truck. And I was saying, I don't think all cops are bad people in the same way that I don't think every German soldier in World War II was a bad person. Mm -hmm. But I do think you're all serving an abhorrent cause and I don't have any respect for you. <laughs> like that was basically <laughs> what I said. Like, I mean, if there were a German soldier in Poland in 1939, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily think he's a bad person. He's probably just doing his duty or whatever but mm -hmm. i don't think it, it's an excuse for him and i don't have any respect for him if that makes sense like i, I don't think it necessarily makes you evil it makes you an accessory to evil mm -hmm. and i don't think you can be a good cop just like i don't think you could be a good german soldier in world war ii just because of the cause that you're you know you're perpetuating so like i i mean whenever i see cops are quitting because of what's going on i'm like good that's what I want to see happen uh, when soldiers are quitting over vaccine requirements or whatever, or, I mean, I'm all for that type of stuff. I think that's great. I think the only way to be a good soldier or a good cop is to quit. So um, I sort of agree with what you're saying that, yeah, like, I don't think we should just call them all baby killers or, you know, demons or whatever. Like, I don't think that's effective, but 
I don't think like the thank you for your service and celebrating Veterans Day and memorial, or especially Memorial Day. Like, I think Memorial Day should be abolished. <laughs> like, that's a, it's a terrible holiday because what it does is it it just perpetuates a lie that all those soldiers died for your freedom, which none of them did. I mean, I mean, you know, I can't think of a war. You know, maybe the War of eighteen twelve. I guess you could say the revolution and then some people could make some arguments for world war II, but that's pretty muddy. But like the, I mean, certainly the vast, vast majority of soldiers who have died, it was not to secure your freedom. It was for some sort of imperialist goal. So to like, you know, honor their service and commemorate them. I don't think it makes any sense. Like veterans, uh, sorry, Memorial Day should be like 9-11 Remembrance Day or like Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day, that type of thing. Not like, oh, wow, these people had to do this and thank God they did. It, it, it should be more like, oh, my God, this is so horrible. This is so disgusting. Like, why did this happen? You know, so I, I think the I think the respect. uh you know, the, the respect part of this needs to shift. Like, I don't think we should have respect mm -hmm. for law enforcement. I don't think we should have respect for soldiers, but I, I agree with you that I don't think just like demonizing the individuals is the right thing. I think it's sort of a two pronged approach. I don't know if that makes sense, but no, no, I understand what you're saying. Basically we need to do our best to kind of help these people to redemption. Not that, you know, we're the ones necessarily doing the redeeming, but we need to kind of wake them up to the fact like, look, you're not, you're an accessory to evil, like you were saying. And I think that's probably the best way to go about it rather than just saying, Oh, well, fuck the police, you know, uh, pigs in a blanket frying like bacon and uh, just assume that these people cannot be moved in our direction, because I think a lot of them would be receptive with the right messenger. Um, and that was one good thing about Trump, actually, is that he had that message. The reason why everybody flocked him is because they were sick of being told that there are white racist guys for the last eight years and that you know, right. you're just terrible for breathing and existing and working a blue collar job. You're contributing to the worsening of the planet. So, you know, they said, well, fuck it. This guy's saying something that, you know, I agree with. So let's fucking pull the lever for him. But uh, yeah. this kind of goes to another point, too, that I think you've been spot on with. Um, like you were saying earlier, you know, there's certain elections you're allowed to question. There's certain questions or uh, elections you're not you're allowed to question, whatever. Um, you know, the red wave now all of a sudden means that elections have integrity again, depending on who you ask. 2020, yeah. the election was stolen, depending on who you ask. 2016 was stolen, depending on who you ask. Um, I think a lot of people had buyer's remorse after 2020 because Trump completely fell apart. He said, we'll never be a socialist nation as he wrote stimulus checks more than any other president and spent 40% of the motherfucking yeah. current or printed 40% of the currency into existence. Um, I think I saw you tweet out once before you got nuked off Twitter <laughs> um, that uh, you didn't like Trump because he wasn't conservative enough. And I'm like, you know, that's like the easiest way I could sum up how I feel about Trump. If he actually did what he said he was going to do as a candidate, I might not have voted for Joe Jorgensen. Um, you know, granted, she's incredibly milquetoast libertarian. Trump was on point as a candidate. Uh, Peter Schiff has that video, um, Donald Trump's huge reversal. And that's like just the yeah. perfect 10 minute clip of what you need to know about Trump and why you shouldn't like him. Um, and obviously that's just the way I feel, but, um, 
Yeah, it's I think people had buyer's remorse after four years and then 2020 and then they voted in Joe Biden, which was obviously the complete wrong thing to do. But then, you know, now this red wave just means that people had buyer's remorse again. I just put out a video saying like, look, this is the message that everybody needs to hear is that you need to remember why you were elected. Right. People are sick of the woke stuff. People are sick of war. People are sick of the spending. People are sick of inflation. Um, Remember that. Now that you're elected, let's do something about it. Don't just, you know, keep the inertia of the state going. Let's let's do something here. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, Donald Trump was basically Steve Bannon in 2016, which, you know, Steve Bannon has issues for sure. But uh, he became Mitch McConnell after he got in. Like, this is where the I'm, I mean, he was it, you couldn't tell him apart. Like, I mean, he just became a centrist corporate Republican shill like i mean he just sucked and the fakertarians can't get their heads around this like they they kept saying like oh we've got you know we've got milo yiannopoulos in the white house right now it's like no you fucking don't like you do not have some alt-right you know <laughs> like uh i don't know like i mean you've, you've just got the same old same old and that's why he was so bad like if he had been what he was in 2016 Still wouldn't have been, I mean, there still would have been issues with him for sure. But yeah, it would have been way better. Like if he had actually cracked down on the Fed, if he had actually pulled a lot of troops out, if he had actually, you know, freed Julian Assange, like that was mm-hmm. one. And, and instead of arrest, having him arrested, you know, that, that, that was the biggest weird thing with, uh, with Trump was everyone's like, oh, he's going to free Julian Assange. And it's like, you do realize he was imprisoned while Trump was president, right? That wasn't while Obama was president. That was, yeah. I think that was in 2019, right? Like in April, 2019 or something when he got, yeah. Um, yeah, arrested at the embassy or whatever. Like <laughs> that was just so weird. Like everyone was, a lot of people really thought he was gonna free him right at the end. I thought that was wild. Um, but um. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I agree with you. I, I do think that Trump lost the election in 2020. Yeah. Um, and I thought he was going to lose. I was one of the few people who predicted it from pretty early on. Because um, in like 2019, I did think Trump was going to win. Until yeah, so probably I. April of 2020. I was like, oh, shit, no, Trump's not going to win. There's no way. And then it eventually got to like, holy shit, like a my left shoe could beat Trump. And then it was like, okay, is Biden worse than my left shoe? You know, like how long yeah. is he be hiding in his basement or whatever? Right. But the thing that, you know, Trump was great in 2016 because he was saying the establishment has fucked you over with all their trade deals and all their, you know, their wars and their monetary policy or whatever. I am going to stick it to them. I am the new guy on the block. I am not the establishment. I'm not the same old, same old. And then he was the same old, same old for yep. four years. And then Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, Mr. Crime Bill and the dirty cop, he's trying to say that they're like the fucking Black Panthers or something. Like these guys are like radical left wing socialists who want to abolish the police. It's like Joe Biden and Kamala Harris want to abolish the police. Really? And then like, I mean... (laughs) it it just didn't land and then i remember during the debate when he was up there with biden he was like 
Biden got tens of thousands of African-American men locked up like terrible, absolute disgrace. And it was like, yay, absolute. And then like the next sentence, he's like, Joe Biden is soft on crime. It's like, wait, dude, which which one is it? Like you just contradicted yourself. So he was just a horrible, horrible candidate this year. And I don't think he deserved to win. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not that Biden deserved to win. It was just that Trump deserved to lose because he just did such a horrible job. And I remember that first debate, we were all thinking like, oh, God, Trump is just going to eat his lunch. Yeah. And if Joe Biden shows up wearing pants, then that's going to be like, you know, he's going to be on his on top of his game. Yeah. Then Trump just like hung himself during the debate. Like he just kept talking and it was like, dude, just shut up and let him talk and you'll win because you can't talk for more than like 15 seconds. But yeah, he just fucked it up so badly. That was exactly what I thought, too. I remember watching the debates back. I'm like, dude, come on. That first debate, I mean, he just was fucking unhinged. And granted, I like Trump when he's going for the jugular because he's fucking hilarious. He's ruthless. He's great in that regard. But like when you're just that way, and especially when the economy is in a recession and, you know, you want to, you know, play this fucking hard ass deal and whatever, you know, it just it didn't look good. He that's why I said he fell the fuck apart in 2020. And people said, oh, look, the economy's coming back, dude. If you look at the workforce participation rate from like, you know, through throughout his presidency up until COVID, literally, he lost all the gains in the economy, right? All the air in the bubble from COVID. Everything that he did was lost at that point. And, you know, they don't reelect the president in a recession. So, you know, right wingers want to sit here and tote and say, oh, it was stolen, it was stolen, it was stolen. Well, I think you guys underestimate how many people just do not like Trump. You know, was he right about a lot of stuff as a candidate? Absolutely. But then as president, he was, like you said, more the same, more the same. The answer obviously wasn't Joe Biden, because now we're getting, you know, way more of the same versus just more of the same. And I think a lot of people fail to realize that is that, you know, Trump was just part of the establishment by the end of it. You know, they could say that they were after him, but, you know... I have a like hard time believing he was part of the establishment like that. Absolutely. I mean, Steve Bannon was out the door. I think it was a matter of weeks. Like it wasn't very long. And then, you know, he has John Bolton pretty soon and he has mm-hmm. Mike Pompeo and <laughs> who's the other guy? Jeff Sessions was just like, Oh my yeah. God, like, who, who are you? And uh, George Bush uh, came back. <laughs> yeah, no, it was terrible. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree that, you know, Trump lost that election. Joe Biden did not win it. It was that Trump lost it. And, um, you know, my whole other seven of us and my family, um, in 2016, my brothers and I voted for Gary Johnson. My sister voted for uh, Jill Stein. And then my parents just didn't vote. And my other sister was too young. This last year, my dad and I voted for Joe Jorgensen and everybody else voted for Joe Biden. Like, You know, my brother who voted for uh, Gary Johnson voted for Joe Biden. My mom, who didn't vote last time, voted for Joe Biden. And they, none of them like Joe Biden. My brother is a libertarian, basically, the one who voted for Joe Biden. He owns guns. You know, he's uh, he wants to end the wars. <laughs> he voted for Joe Biden just because he was so sick of Trump. And I don't think mm-hmm. people uh, realize how pervasive that was. Like people were mm-hmm. they just wanted him out of there. 
Right, absolutely. So I, I do think that leaves a huge, huge, huge vacuum in 2024 for somebody good, not Ron DeSantis. Everybody wants Ron DeSantis, but you want to talk about like an establishment GOP guy? He's oh, pretty yeah. much it. You look at his voting record, he's for all the NSA, all the wars, all the spending. Um, the argument there should be he should just remain governor. Um, I've heard some GOP guys argue, well, you'll have a neocon foreign policy no matter what. <laughs> so, you know, we're just supposed to say, oh, well, you know what? Hell with it. Let the little children die over there anyways. And, you know, OK, well, he's good yeah. on lockdowns, but um, I really don't think they can push the lockdowns for longer and longer. I think they're going to try, but I really don't think there's a big appetite for being locked in your well, house. How many lockdowns are going on right now? Like Not that many, are, yeah. I mean, what is it, New York and California and Hawaii? Right. Like, I mean, I mean, that's a serious question. I don't know mm-hmm. where lockdowns are actually happening now. Like, yeah, the vax mandates are bullshit and mm-hmm. those are happening. And but those aren't even happening in a lot of states right. like right. this. This thing that Joe Biden rolled out. Um, it's not being enforced anywhere. Like some mm-hmm. companies are starting to get ahead of the curve and do it, but then a lot of them are not doing it. And so, yeah, making COVID the only issue is a mistake. I think right. right now, like it is the most important issue that's going on, but to throw everything out the window for COVID is stupid. I agree, because, yeah. I mean, that's, that's that to use everyone's term, that's high time preference, you know, cause you're going to mm-hmm. get, you're going to allow other things to slide and then they're going to fuck you down the road in a few years. You know, that's just what happens. Like that's what, that's what the right did. Like they threw all their chips on the wrong card, um, you know, back in 20 and uh, 2001. And then they got fucked because they just yeah. cared about one thing and centralized all their power. And then it got thrown over to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I think, um, you know, I think, being really short-sighted and thinking that COVID is the end-all be-all is, is just dumb because I don't think it will be. I think that the next thing is probably going to be climate change. Like that's the next yeah. thing that they're going to harness to gain more control. And if we're still thinking about COVID and that's the only thing we care about, they're going to usher in the next enemy. And then after climate change, there's going to be another enemy. Like stop like focusing on opposing these enemies because the enemy is just going to change year to year time to time oppose the power structure that makes your life hell for you know trying to destroy these enemies like instead of um you know if imagine if we had just focused on um you know being against uh being against fighting terrorists that was the only thing we cared about then you know when they changed the um you know then when they change it to like domestic terrorism or they change it to COVID or they change it to something else, like then your battle just falls apart and whatever you've been opposing doesn't matter. Like, how about we're against, you know, going to war without congressional authorization? And how about we're against illegal spying on everybody without warrants? You know, like if you don't allow these power structures to exist, then you don't have to worry about these individual battles because they won't be possible. So stop focusing on each individual battle focus on the center of the problem, which is these crazy legislative nightmares that come down the pipe, you know? Right, right. Well, that kind of gets back to something that we were kind of shooting the shit back and forth about um, towards the beginning of the podcast. But uh, 
the post-libertarians are kind of floating out this idea of the anti-tax, which um, correct me if I'm wrong here. When I was listening to the debate with uh, Dave and Andrew from Popular Liberty, um, basically it's an idea to tax people who want to enforce the COVID regime. Is that is that correct? Uh, that's incomplete, but yeah, that's correct. Okay, all right. Um, well, perhaps you could dust up on it for me. But my problem with that is, uh, it's a good idea. And it sounds good. But it's short sighted. You're not thinking about the long term application of this, because if you can just tax people like that, well, then who's to say they're not just going to turn around and do that to you? You know, Trump did all these executive orders, and then Biden does all these executive orders. You know, it, it's it has no foundation, essentially. So are we sure we want to go down that path? You know, I get it and it sounds effective, but you know, we're not thinking about the wrong side of this. Like how could this go wrong? Yeah, no, I agree. I'm completely against that part of his plan because yeah, once the power changes, then mm -hmm. the subjects change, like the battle changes and the enemy changes and you know, you're suddenly the enemy. So yeah, I think it's, I think that is a bad idea. The rest of the anti-tax is, I mean, I, I think it's a decent idea. I don't think it's groundbreaking or it's going to catch like fire everywhere, but it's the idea you have this dormant money in local government uh, storage that could run a local government for like, I forget what, I think it's eight to 14 months or something on average. So we're going to hire money investors to invest these sovereign wealth funds in stocks and diversify the portfolio so that it will basically just, you know, it'll grow with inflation and collect interest. And you'll have a government that is self-sustaining that doesn't need taxation to run it because you've already got this wealth fund that is increasing throughout the years by being invested. I mean, it's kind of like a pension really. I mean, it's pretty similar. I, I, don't, I don't think it's anything that, new <laughs> like i think that you know it's i mean they already sort of do that in some areas of the government and i also i mean i don't understand how government officials are going to choose investors that are going to be intelligent like that's the selling point of it that we're going to have money investors in doing this it's like yeah but they're going to be chosen by local politicians and what do you think the local politicians are going to want them to invest in Probably things that are going to benefit the politicians that won't necessarily, I don't know. Like, I, I think it's interesting, but it's not groundbreaking. And, you know, like, they oversell it, I guess, you know, like, it's like, holy shit, we've got the greatest thing since sliced bread. And it's like, I don't know, like, yeah, it's sort of interesting, but it's, it's not new. Like, you guys definitely aren't the first Praxians. You're not the first ones to think that culture or religion or you know your homeland or things like that are gonna help people advance toward liberty more like none of this is anything new and i think they're just a little bit overconfident and overzealous and a little bit arrogant sometimes you know i think that's off-putting to a lot of people like if you're um you know and a lot of libertarians are this way too but if you're just completely dismissive of people who don't buy into it wholeheartedly and you just call them midwits or whatever like okay like you're not gonna you're not gonna get a lot of people on board i think yeah 
Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm still relatively new to the whole post-libertarian thing, and I'm definitely open to the arguments. I, I just... When I listen to the debate between Jason Stapleton and Dave Smith, <laughs> my crude takeaway from that was Jason says, fuck bitches, get money. And Dave says we should wake as many people up as possible and win local elections. Um, if you ask me, it, it, they're not mutually exclusive. Right. Um, we were kind of talking about this at the beginning of the show, too. But um, this is kind of what I want to start this specific podcast for is to tell people, look, you should you should be healthy. You should be independent, you know, because how can you live a life full of liberty and freedom if you're not that way? You know, if you weigh 400 pounds and you can't function for yourself and you're on welfare, then, you know, it rings hollow when you're preaching libertarianism. So that's kind of my focus with this show. And, you know, I want to see better, more healthy, more wholesome libertarians that are about you know family values and you know i guess you could even say social conservatism i don't think that's a conflicting thing with uh, libertarianism at all and um dave said i'm probably i'm probably like one of the most socially conservative libertarians in the libertarian party right honest (laughs) so yeah of course i don't think they're mutually exclusive at all yeah, yeah. Well, I remember um, when you were on Matt Kibbe's show, I believe you said you were you had a pretty damn good income before you were even in your uh, 20s, if I recall correctly. Uh, well, I was in my 20s, but yeah, I was making okay. six figures a year. I think mm-hmm. by the time I was 23, 20, 22 or 23. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Right. Uh, so that, that's your, your take on the post-libertarianism uh, kind of deal definitely uh kind of means a lot more than the guys who are living in their mom's basement <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i just i i think the the post-libertarians are too sectarian you know they're like you need to i mean they basically say you need to be a religious republican and you need to use the republican party and you have to embrace mm-hmm. like american culture or you're not gonna advance liberty and i just don't think that's true i think that's arrogant and you know kind of uh, a centralized way to look at things like i think that it's completely possible that that could be true in texas or florida somewhere but maybe in a blue district it's not true maybe there is a way to advance liberty in a blue district maybe if you live in new york you don't have to leave new york maybe you can save your county or your town or whatever like I just think, um, but yeah, they're, they're totally right. And you're totally right about, um, you know, trying to convince libertarians to be more impressive people themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I, I had Sal the Agorist on my show a couple of days ago. And we were, I, I compared it to people in the church who, <clears throat> you know, you know, the people who just show up on Sunday and sing worship songs or whatever. And then during the week, they're just like complete pieces of shit. And you're just like, what is wrong with you? But then you also know the people who really live the philosophy, you know, they really care about their neighbors, they are forgiving, and they're generous. Um, And then they also go to church on Sunday, you know, those people I have a lot more respect for than people who just use it as a moniker or some cultural uh you know some cultural prize that they can you know kind of (laughs) gloat over you with and i think a lot of libertarians do that like 
it's cool to be a libertarian, you know, it's edgy and I could say taxation is theft and legalized machine guns and all that shit. But then, you know, I'm not going to live any of this personal responsibility. I'm not actually going to help my friends out. I'm not actually going to try to be big in my community. I'm just going to, you know, talk this shit and not actually do any of it. And, you know, people like you and me actually do live that way. And we, I, I, I've lived this way pretty much my whole life. You know, I didn't, didn't have a choice when I was a kid, but when I became an adult, I just carried the torch on and, you know, I've never been in debt in my entire life. And I, uh, you know, I've always tried to advance myself as much as I can, always try to learn new skills. And, you know, I've lived a very low time preference life. I don't think comfort is very important. So, you know, I'll live through a lot of discomfort to have more of a prize further down the line. And I think, uh, you know, that's the libertarian way to live. And I think it matters. It matters more how you live 364 days out of the year than that one election day that you go and cast a, you know, cast a ballot for somebody like it matters who you are and that it's sincere and that you've internalized it and that you've proven that it works because the whole point with uh, a lot of these other philosophies is that we don't think they work. So how do you know libertarianism works? Like maybe you should live it and then see for yourself, like, yeah, this is the way this has worked for me. This will work for other people. Let me show you through my example that this is the right way to be. Awesome. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think that uh, that's a great note to end on. Um, go ahead and plug your shit, brother. Yeah. So I'm not on Twitter anymore. Um, it's a shame. It's a shame. You, you, you did spit some fucking fire. <laughs> I loved it. <clears throat> I might be back. I don't know. I'm debating whether or not I should go back. A lot of people want me to go back. So I might, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, for now I'm on YouTube and Odyssey as the naturalist capitalist. Uh, if you want to subscribe to me on both of those. And then I am on Facebook. I have a Facebook page called the naturalist capitalist. You can follow that or you can send me a friend request. I'm read um on facebook and then i am also on apple itunes spotify um all that all that jazz so you can uh follow me on all the what is it the rss feeds or whatever i'm on all those so anywhere podcasts are found i'm the naturalist capitalist there so yeah look me up and let me know what you think and thanks for having me on man of course no i really appreciate you coming on we'll have to do it again sometime so uh, with that, in liberty and health, everybody, take care. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.